1: Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace Podcast. I'm Lynn Wilder.
2: And I'm Joel Grote. And with us again this week, we've got Pastor Brian Culbertson. Uh, he shared the beginning of a story, uh, raised in an LDS family. Uh, but because he was younger, for go for goo how do you say that? He forgo, man. Anyway, <laughs> he didn't go on his Mormon two-year mission, so he could go to a year to college, And by the time he was done with that year of college, he decided he wasn't anything. So, Brian, we are delighted to have you back. When we finished up last week, you had gone uh, with a Christian church on a short-term mission trip to Kenya. And that's kind of where God really showed up. You said you even told the leaders from your church that I'm not even a believer in Jesus at this point.
3: Yeah, so we, um, I was just sitting here thinking, I, I remember um, they really didn't give me any slack over that at all they're just like i mean they saw me as just this absolute missional opportunity but but um i think we talked maybe offline uh, just a moment ago of, of yet they didn't really go into this you know trying to sell me on Jesus the entire trip either they just treated me like another person there to serve and to love and you know to be honest who doesn't want to go help orphans in africa i mean all, all of us the 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 good-natured part of our heart said well gosh that's that's just a good thing to go do and so you know they allowed me to to go along with that i'm helping orphans in Africa and to see the beauty of, of creation, and, and they didn't really push a whole lot. Uh, we did a Bible study every morning, and basically the leader would say, I think we were studying Nehemiah because we were building some stuff, and that must have been the, you know, the chapter of the, the book of the Bible they decided to, to work through while we were there. And he would just say, you know, go reach, you know, go find you a nice quiet spot you know, under a tree or whatever and read it. And I actually bought a Bible to take on the trip. This was before, you know, everybody's phones were their Bibles or whatever. So I bought a Bible that I still have today, NIV version, which for me was very, you know, out there because all I'd ever read before was the King James version of the Bible. So I've got this NIV beautiful leather Bible that my wife gave me to go on this mission trip. And I crack it open and, you know, I'm reading it really for the first time. Uh, And I'm reading Nehemiah, which again, you know, you grow up in the Mormon church and you study so much scripture and you do seminary, but everything you read is with a purpose of proving what you already believe there is never any reading it just to see what god's word says and so really yes. for the first time mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing these little things where i go off to myself and have a half an hour of quiet time i read god's word and then we got together back as a group and discussed it and i didn't participate in the discussions that i know of uh, and it took me many 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 years to participate in a christian bible study discussion because i was just like you so, is Lehi in the Bible? I can't remember. Or is Nephi part? You know, it took me a long time. <laughs> well, to, who do to, I
2: bring into the conversation yeah, here? Yeah. yeah.
3: Who's Alma? Is he? You know, it took me a long time to disseminate the differences between everything. So, I didn't participate for a long time until I actually studied the Bible a lot myself. But I remember just listening to those discussions, and I'm like, man, I've never heard people pulling this much out of just such a simple story and, you know, this, this building of the, the walls of Jerusalem and all of that stuff. So, it was, you know, that was certainly a big part of that trip, is just having that time to do a little Bible study obviously being out in God's creation and you're like man they're so you were know you from off the
2: world can you then
3: Oh, we were out in rural Maasai Mara Preserve. So it's where you go out at nighttime and you look up in the sky and you've never seen so many stars in your life. And so, man, it just, I was just, and sunsets were just the most impressive thing I've ever seen. You know, it's just, it was, you, you just get that sense, you know, Africa, everything is so big that you just get that sense that, hey, we're not alone here. You know, there is, there is something beyond what we see. And so, man, you just, God just takes everything and he he weaves it together and he takes my past and he takes my present and he takes my future and, and he just says, you know, in this moment, I'm going to do something special with you. And and it was just, that was just the transformative part. I mean, even to the point of, you know, I remember you you go on a mission trip with, with a group of Christians. I later went on to lead mission trips to the Dominican Republic over the course of two or three years. So I've got a lot of experience now doing these short-term Christian mission things, but that was my first experience with it. And, And what I've learned on mission trips that, you know, I think there might've been 30 of us on this trip. Man, you build some super deep tight relationships with that group of people because you are spending breakfast lunch dinner uh, downtime it's a lot of hurry up and wait when you're in africa so every bit of downtime you're you're with the same group of people and it allows you to move beyond the superficial discussions and into quite a bit deeper discussions and i remember a lady don't know her name haven't seen her i don't think since that trip but she's having this discussion of just how amazing grace is and You know, anybody in the Mormon church, they might say they have a concept of grace, but I I mean, maybe because I was young or I don't know, I missed it or something. I just this whole concept of of grace and, you know, getting something, even though we don't deserve it. I just that was so foreign to me. And I'm just like, man, that sounds that sounds kind of cheap. You know, the first time this lady's talking about it, I'm like, that's not right. That's just, you know, sounds kind of cheap and inauthentic Mm -hmm. and too easy. Yeah, but it, it did plant that seed.
1: Right. The Mormon Encyclopedia actually gives the de- Mormon definition of grace, which is an enabling power that God gives you so that you <laughs> can live the commandments. Right. So that you I can mean, work your way oh to my eternal gosh. life. That's there could be a more different.
3: opposite definition, you know. Right. And, and, you know, part of what
2: makes grace so amazing is you first have to, um, as Jesus said, humble yourself, become as a little child, to enter the kingdom. And so mm-hmm, you really mm-hmm. have to come to terms with who you are. Before a holy God and how undeserving you are, because until you get to that point, you go, you know what, right, man, I don't deserve anything from God and except maybe you know His wrath and His and His right. punishment, because right. I'm so far. It's not until you get to that point that you go, wow, this God would give me love right. and mercy right. when what I deserve is exactly the opposite. Right. Yeah, right. So, um, so tell us, just go back then to that moment where. Um, God shows up, you're doing this mission trip, you're doing orphans, but then you said you got to spend like,
3: what, two or three days with the Maasai Mara? we did we did we were you know we did the kind of traditional safari thing where you hop on a, a beat up land rover and you drive out across the, the it was really neat mm-hmm. because you go a lot of times and you're you're kind of a tourist and you're, you're locked into the tourist trap type stuff but because we were there um doing this mission work we were also there with missionaries who had been there for 20 30 years serving and so these were our hosts and so they knew the places that the tourists didn't go to and they knew the best guides in the in the preserve and so it was it was really neat to have them um and, and through this process we learn about you know how they've been serving and, and the unique you know, difficulties they have in teaching god to uh, in the bible to these people who have all these this cultural bias and stuff built into them so it was just it was right. just really special yeah so
1: just briefly because part of our audience will not be familiar even with what a christian mission looks like right as <laughs> opposed to point, an lds Lynn. mission um What in the world would a Christian do on a short-term mission? And then are you talking about long-term missionaries that live there and what do they do?
3: Right. Um, Essentially where we were set up in the area we went to, there were long-term missionaries that that they raised their support and they went there to live essentially indefinitely. And and there were actually four couples, husband and wives that were there. And and one of them was um, African. They were from that area. Uh, And so they were kind of the indigenous people that were there and and being a part of the mission. And then we had um, three groups of, of Americans that had gone over and, and they were there serving, and they were there, uh, you know, teaching English and, and building orphanages and uh, medical centers and water treatment facilities and just doing uh, doing good deeds in order that others may maybe see the light of Christ through those good deeds and glorify God. And so they're there serving and, and planted and building re- long term relationships. Because I think you want know, to get in a negative on a short term mission thing. You know, to go into a community that, that you have no relationship and no contact with, and you're just going to go knocking on doors and sharing the gospel. I don't know. You know that. That's proselytizing just like the Mormons would, and I don't know that that's necessarily the best way to bring others to Christ. But being there and planted and and getting into these deep relationships with people, that's what the long-term missionaries are there doing. And then they bring in short team, short-term teams, that's what we were, to, to just kind of partner alongside them. So, you know, we were there, we were building a little orphanage feeding center to feed kids that were coming in that were part of this orphanage that they had built there. And so I mean we're there hammering nails and you know doing uh, pretty menial labor related stuff, but but we're there and we're serving, and we're serving those missionaries who have been away from their culture for five years and haven't seen any Americans. So it's good for them to have some community and some camaraderie and, and have a worship service in English that they fully understand. And so we're there. We're serving the missionaries. We're there. We're serving the community. In fact, you know, us being there and, and paying for that trip gives money into the, the ministry and the missionary experience. And then mm-hmm. we also um, get to see a beautiful part of the world. For me, I mean, it opened my eyes. It changed my political views. It changed my religious views. It, it changed everything because I, I was so refined it, it, being an American and, and in my little box. I'd never seen what the rest of the world truly looked like outside of, you know, getting off on, on a cruise ship and going to a port, you know. Yeah. And you were like there for how long? Uh, two like weeks, a week,
2: two weeks, Okay, two, no, weeks, say, two weeks for people listening. in, that's, that's pretty typical. You've got short-term missions can be a week to 10 days, two weeks, three weeks, sometimes as long as maybe three months for some people, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just that short-term commitment to go in, do whatever you can help out the people that are there. And then, yeah. And very often you'll hear short-term people say, I. I came away with far more. Oh, absolutely!
3: I gave. And in yes. fact, that's why um, later on, I began. You know, as I you know grew in my faith, I actually, our church said hey, we need somebody to be a missions leader to lead all of our short-term trips and and put them together and plan and organize. And I said, absolutely, I need to I need to be the person to do that. And I remember the pastor saying, "Don't you want to pray about that?" I'm like, "No," because this is what I need to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's uh, a passionate conviction. Yeah. yeah I like, so I mean, because because. My life was changed forever on a mission trip because my eyes were opened in that moment. And so why would I not want to take other people to have that same experience? So you mentioned worshiping with the Maasai
2: Mara. Can you just give us just a couple of minutes about what that was like and then yeah. how God used that?
3: Well, I am um, somewhat musical. I'm not a, a I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. But I, I did study music and play music. And so we get out to this village, and they've got uh, their instruments are all are all um, percussionary stuff. So they've got all these drums and you know washboards and stuff that they're banging on or hitting. And you know, there's a group of you know eight or ten of them standing up front, uh, and then the congregation of you know maybe 30 people or whatever it is, and they're just absolutely whatever they're singing. And I have no idea what they're saying, but whatever it is is with the most passion I've ever seen come out of somebody and that, that obviously had a big impact on me is just hearing that music which was beautiful and just just seeing the passion of them, the unadulterated, just I'm giving it all I have just to sing right now because of this person that I'm, I'm glorifying and I'm worshiping. He deserves just everything I can get to come out of my mouth. Honestly, you know, American Christians, we, we miss that. We, we, you know, sing songs and they have to fit our taste or our style. And if they don't, we don't want to worship. We don't want to sing. We never, you know, most of us, and I'm including myself, just don't give it that all of like, God, I don't care. I'm just letting it all go and giving you everything I got. Yeah. So that's what
1: you're
2: in the
3: middle of, um, then,
2: I always think
1: of Paul in prison that night oh, yeah. at midnight, praising God. Surely that's what he was doing when the earthquake happened and the doors opened. Yeah, huh?
2: for sure. Yeah. So you um, have your personal encounter with God. He shows up in a personal real way uh, for you there in Kenya. Now you're a pastor. Man, that's, uh, that's quite the progression, especially since I don't <laughs> think your background was anything theological, right? You right, mean, I think, right. Um, well, I'm going to...
1: Ask this at this point, Joel. So, once that light bulb went on for you, Brian, was there a commitment that wasn't there before?
3: There was, but I'm going to just be honest, and it still was a slow progression. I didn't come back. I was changed, and I couldn't wait to tell my wife about it, and that excitement, and that that you know mountaintop experience. But, you know, I got back and I still had a job to do and I still had kids to raise and, you know, things to do. And you get back into the regular routine. Um, I certainly went to church that next Sunday with kind of a different mentality, but um, it was still a very slow, gradual process. I'm thinking that was 2005. It wasn't until, I think, 2009, 2010 where I really really got plugged in and involved and said, you know what, I'm going to make, you know, ministry and serving Jesus kind of my, my passion of my life, you know? And so it was a slow, gradual progression. I know there are people who are saved and immediately, you know, they're out, you know, changing the world. I was, it was still a slow, gradual progression for me. I still had a lot of questions. I still do, you know, I'm, I'm however many years in 15, 16 years in, I still have so many questions and doubts and things that don't make sense. And parts of the Bible I struggle with, and how do I line this up with this over? here. And, you know, it's there's still, I'm still a mess. Um, but it was a slow, <laughs> thank gradual. <laughs> thank you, Brian, for saying that because so often the
2: stereotype is, oh, well, once you're a believer and if you're in ministry, you've got oh, it all man. together. And that is yeah. so not the case. We are yeah, all, man. um, struggling and still learning. And thank you mm-hmm. so much for being one of those people who your progression into faith and relationship with Jesus wasn't, because some people yes some people they can they can tell you the exact minute where they were mm-hmm. when they prayed what they said and for other people it's like you know what i just know that it when i look back at this point in my life i wasn't a believer in jesus i wasn't a committed disciple and then when i got this many years down the road i realized oh i am now and where exactly right. it all happened and it doesn't matter right and that's a I personal happened. thing right <laughs> yes mm-hmm. so anyway so yeah. thank you thank you for that yeah.
1: um i don't think we've said That you're listening to the second part, maybe, of something that you might want to go find the first part to to learn a little more about who Brian is.
2: Yes. And yeah, the previous episode to this one um, should be the next one above it in line or below it, depending on how your computer sorts it, uh, will be Pastor Brian Culbertson, part one. And yeah, he talks about his background, his life um, as a Mormon growing up in a very strong, committed Mormon family.
1: So about 2008 or nine, this commitment kicks in. And what did that look like?
3: Well, you know, it it was messy because all of a sudden you're like, well, I want to you think you want to change the world, you know, and you're like, all right, I'm I'm all in. And so you go all in with this and then you hit those frustration that anybody who spent any time working in ministry like, oh, you know, God just doesn't make this super easy and, you know, floodgates open type thing. And so we we had uh, things that were like, all right, we're all in over here and this is gonna be our where we work and serve God. And, you know, then you get some doors shut and have some struggles and difficulties. I remember um, one of the, the pastors at the church I was going to, he said, you know, we'd like, um, would you be interested in teaching a class? And I'm like, man, I, I barely know the Bible and I'm still struggling with all this stuff and questions and doubt. And he said, well, it's a, it's a class on, on uh, financial peace or whatever, it, it's not the Dave Ramsey one, but the Crown Ministries, you know, um, teaching on okay, money. Sure. I'm like, well, yeah. I'm, I, that's that's my day job. You know, I did mortgages, now I do insurance. I know the financial side of things. I'm all about, you know, getting people out of debt. And so that was in my wheelhouse. And then I got to, you know, study and read. And then, you know, I think that the greatest way to learn something is being forced to have to teach it. So when you have to teach something, all of a sudden you're learning it better. And that went okay. And then they said, well, Ryan, why don't you uh, teach a Sunday school class, like a Sunday morning class. We got a bunch of 20-somethings, you know, they're younger than you, so they won't be that hard. And they were really hard. But- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah right we did a year through the bible and all of a sudden i'm teaching people a year through the bible and and if you know i mean when you have to teach something and it was a discussionary class well you better know it because you're going to get all kinds of questions and you know want to look like an idiot you don't know the answers so you know that really pushed me actually to to become a student of the bible further than i was and so it's just all these things that you know i thought i was doing it to you know help somebody else or whatever and god's using it to actually grow me in in the process and so you know it's just been a slow gradual progression next thing You know the the pastor says, you know, why don't you? Why don't you? I'm gonna be out of town. Why don't you do a sermon? I'm like, well, what's the like lowest attended week of the year? He's like, it's usually July 4th. I'm like, give me that weekend. I'll I'll teach on that weekend. And so, you know, I (laughs) preach a preach a sermon at the church, and I I tell the story. I really just told a story of of we adopted our, our youngest daughter is adopted, and I wanted to share a story of faithfulness of how God you know places something on our hearts and following through with that, and the challenges and difficulties, and just be bluntly, blatantly honest with it. And I actually shared about my wife struggling with depression through that process, and just the outpouring. Of people coming up, I gave the sermon, but it was all about her. You know, people are like, "I struggle with that too. I struggle with that too." And and just being so honest and transparent, realizing that when you are when you're not fake and when you're authentic and honest and transparent, that's when people can be moved. And so many people related to my wife's part of that story that it was amazing. And that that's really what propelled us into saying, "We, you know, I think God has given us some gifts." He's my day job; I do fairly well in, and so it's provided for us financially a lot of freedom and so you know what uh, this isn't all for me what how can i use this that the god has certainly blessed our lives how can i use this for his kingdom and you know we just i just taught on the parable of the talents how can i invest these things that god has bestowed unto me how can i be a good steward with those for his kingdom and so yes. you know we looked at our gifts we, we took an inventory of our lives we thought we were going to be full-time missionaries actually in the dominican republic we had been leading those short-term mission teams over there uh, but we took yep. an inventory and said gosh one of my talents is communication and i lose that completely when i go to a country i don't speak the language in and so not that god can't give you that gift or that ability or whatever but maybe i should look at what he has given me and maybe how he wants me to invest that and you know one thing led to another and we started this little church with we called it a small little group of misfits and that's been almost four years ago today
1: wow okay, i love being part of the misfits
3: (laughs) (laughs) so this is where lynn you and mike attend then
1: yes
2: Oh, that is so cool. So now were you kind of sent out from the church you were at as uh, to do like a new church plant? Or how did you make the transition um, to being part time teacher <laughs> pastor to now full
3: time pastor? Because that's, that's
2: like, that's a pretty big commitment.
3: It is, and I don't think I realized how big the commitment was, or maybe we, <laughs> maybe I would have gotten cold <laughs> feet before it all happened. But because I still have my day job, so I am a tent making pastor. I, I have my okay. day job; that's where I make my living. I take no salary or income um, from the church. We don't have any un- uh, full time paid staff at the church. So part of part of the reason of that is is because of my background in Mormonism, and one of the uh, so we do want to be a church that that is available and a resource to say Lynn or anybody that has Mormon friends that, that want to send them to a church where they can feel confident. It, they're going to receive the teaching that, that will be rel- uh, relatable to Mormons. And so one of those, we wanted to tear down some barriers. And I know me as an ex-Mormon, one of those barriers was, you know, the only reason that pastor's up there, their teaching is because it's his job. You know, that's where he gets his paycheck. And so he doesn't even believe, I don't think, what he's teaching. He's just doing it because he needs to get that paycheck. And there probably is some truth in some churches to that effect. But, but I wanted to tear that down. So I said, we're, gonna, we're not going to have any salaries. and We're not going to have any of this. And we took down all the things that when I was a Mormon, you know, I said, well, that's why they do this. That's what they're all about. And we tried to tear all of that down so to stumbling, to, blocks. stumbling blocks those so are you're the removing stumbling
1: words. blocks so micah my son also in ministry to mormons has lived the word of wisdom all these years for that exact mm, reason right so nobody amazing. can say well you left mormonism yes. to sin you just yes. wanted to drink coffee or whatever yeah and
3: my parents well i don't know if my parents but i know that has been said about me oh well he left the church because you know he likes to have a drink from time to time or you know he wants to have coffee or whatever so that that's pretty awesome that he does that yeah Yeah, the people
1: that we love we want to do what we can do to reach out to them um because it's not all about us
3: yeah right
2: (laughs) so brian um we've got kind of unique audience we've got obviously the people who listen to the podcast and find us on unveilinggracepodcast.com but we're also broadcast um, in utah every saturday morning and i'm guessing there's a large share of our audience that may be lds that listen in they may be transitioning they may be just curious so in like the minute and a half or two minutes we've got i would love for you as a former lds as a person who struggled with a lot of these things who's now come to personal faith in christ who's now transitioned into uh you know full-time ministry even while you continue your full-time work just feel free to talk to those people and whatever the holy spirit's putting on your heart for those that might be having some questions and i don't have any idea where that's going to go sure. i'm just opening it up to you
1: <laughs> well, i am no hoping idea that'll take a whole nother session
3: <laughs> <laughs> but as I, I thought about it and thought about my transition and thought what i would say to somebody that's still inside the mormon church and maybe having those questions or those feelings of doubt and we all had them and we all experienced that and even as christians we do today too we still experience mm-hmm. doubts and questions yeah. but my challenge to both christians and mormons Is to just don't be lazy in this. Uh, This is the most important question you're ever going to answer in your entire life. What do I believe that happens to me when I die? And what is my plan for that? And so... Don't take it lightly and don't be lazy about it. And why I use the word lazy is because I was lazy as a Mormon. I I, I wasn't because I went to every single church service and I went to every single fireside chat and I went to every youth thing that they had going on. And I was a Boy Scout. and Man, I was busy and I was doing and I probably thought I wasn't lazy. But the lazy component is I never just stopped to do the work to really dig into the the questions and my faith, to really say, okay, I realize this is what I'm being taught over here, but let me let me do the research, let me do the work to really see what the answers are out there. Let me explore the past of Mormonism, not not from some jaded ex-Mormon, but let me see what the actual Mormon Church used to teach, and let me see what what they said and how the churches. Let me look at all of that, and then let me do the work of actually reading God's word with a fresh set of eyes. And, you know, I think probably a lot of us who have left the church, when when we say that to somebody, they're just like, well, I don't even know where to start. When we say, you know, open the gospel of John and just start reading it and read that first paragraph. And the word was there in the beginning, he was with God and the word was God. And and just, just take some time to explore that. And, and how, what does that mean inside the Mormon faith? And what could that possibly mean that's not, uh, correctly portrayed within the faith. And and then you work through scripture in that way. Let me just continue to read, not to validate what I already believe, but to see what God's word actually says and how it's speaking to me.
2: Wow, that's fantastic.
1: It was the book of John that did it for me.
2: Me too. Um, And I was gonna say, so if, you know, besides the book of John, do you have any of the other books of the New Testament that you would recommend for people who are coming from an LDS background or any performance based religion um, that have kind of been your go to uh, books that have helped you. Do you have any in particular that you would also
3: recommend? Yeah, I mean, uh, Galatians, obviously, because Paul is is preaching to essentially a church that has kind of taken the gospel and perverted it is is his words. They've twisted the gospel. So certainly Galatians would be a place to look. But I also think it's important for anybody in a performance based religion to look at the entire story of the Bible. And so maybe, you know, it's it's reading Genesis and seeing that, you know, the brokenness and fall of man, that we've been separated from God. And, and then the rest of the Old Testament is that story playing out of what that separation looks like, but the prophets and everything pointing to one to come to to close that chasm, to, to, to bring that together. And then the gospels that show Jesus coming. And yes, he lives a perfect life and he teaches all these great things and he does all these miracles, but it's all leading us to his death. And what does that death mean? And more so, what does the resurrection mean? And then what happens after that? And then you get through to Revelation. And so, seeing the Bible instead of just these these verses that give you instruction, you see it as one big story that shows you from the point of sin till redemption to glory. Just how beautiful that story that God has written truly is.
2: Yeah. Wow. Well, well said, Brian. Thank you. Um, and thanks so much for being on the podcast. Uh, it's been great to have you as our guest for these last two episodes. Uh, I'm thinking with your close connection with Lynn. Um, would love to grab you back again sometime. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so. I was
1: just thinking that that it, it, we might do some topical things with Brian. that might be really helpful, I think for LDS folks.
2: Absolutely. So well, thanks for being a part. Feel free to jump over to com. That's where this episode and all the other ones will be. We're also available on iTunes um, and Spotify. Google Play. We love it when people jump in and leave a review, leave a rating for us, Uh, it helps other people find us. So, thanks for being a part. Lynn? Thank you.
1: Grace and peace. Until next time.
0: Thank you, Brian. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace Podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.